0: Drawer Murray's documentary, The Corridors of Power, is a chronicle of the American response to genocide in modern times. It combines difficult footage of atrocities and violence with Murray's one on one interviews with powerful U.S. officials, from such iconic figures as Colin Powell and Madeleine Albright to contemporary ones who are still serving at the highest levels of government, like Anthony Blinken and Jake Sullivan. Drawer Murray,
1: welcome to Political Theater. Happy to be here.
0: Uh, let's talk, uh, real quickly, uh, about the timeline for your documentary. As I said, you know, you have this wide selection of interviews that you've conducted with figures, some, some of whom, uh, have, have died, uh, recently. So you obviously started this project a while ago, but you know, George Schultz, Madeleine Albright, Colin Powell, uh, you know, those, those are figures from, you know, the seventies and eighties American politics. Uh, when did, when did you start, uh, working on this project?
1: Well, the actually, the actual start on the project started somewhere in the beginning of 2014, so eight years ago. The first interview was conducted with the former Secretary of State, late Madden Albright, November 2014. We are now at December 2022, so <laughs> it's, it's eight years in the making. And and
0: are I mean so much of your um, you know the, the the power from this from your from your documentary comes from the footage that you have uh, you know some of which again it, it's difficult to watch because it's it's far more um, it, it's far more uncensored than than you get ev- even uh, you know in, in any sort of news footage um, it, it's tough to look at but it, equally sort of chilling uh, I think is is the sort of particularly you know, former officials working in the government going sort of coldly through the calculus of of the, their response to Rwanda, of their response to Bosnia, and 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 basically kind of going through the like why they would get involved or why they wouldn't. Um, Sandy Berger, you know, the, the former Clinton official, Clinton White House official, the national security advisor, he, you know, he he says, you know, never again is a moral statement, but it's not an operational one, and it's just chilling you know to have that contrast if you you see these atrocities being committed and then you have you have people who are are making these sort of cold calculations what was that like you know when when you're interviewing because <laughs> you've got a, a purpose as a filmmaker but then you've got a, a human response to this too
1: look the interviews were amazing I, I was um, really thrilled to, to conduct the interviews uh, with those kind of characters of power which stood in the corridors of power for the last 35, 40 years and took decision that basically determined the fate of millions of people all around the globe. Um, for me, the contrast between what was happening on the ground and between those antiseptic rooms where they have to kind of take decisions was one of the key moments where I wanted to create this kind of contrast between those graphic images as you describe them in the movie, and how genocide and crimes against humanity looks like. And at the same time, the deliberation, which are happening in very cold rooms. Um, and I remember, you know, one of the most, I would say, striking uh, phrases that former Secretary of State Madden Albright said, that she went, she came back from Bosnia and she said, History will judge us if we won't intervene. They used to tell her, don't be so emotional, Madeline. And and I remember asking her, it's not in the movie. I remember asking her, uh, is it bad to have emotion in those moments or in those kind of rooms? And basically, she said, you have to be a very stern person because emotions doesn't help. You don't help people with emotions. Uh, Although she thinks that emotions sometimes help because you have to have, when you see this kind of footage and what goes on in the world, you have to have emotions, but you have also to really consider it in a cold, harsh way, because, you know, at the end of the day, when you intervene, when you send military, when America sends military power to intervene somewhere in the world, people will get killed. It doesn't matter, people will get killed. When When you use military force, people will get killed. And I think you have to, what I concluded from that, you have to ask yourself the tough question, whether what you're going to do is, will create more harm than good. And when you look at, for example, it's in the movie, when you look at Libya, for example, where America intervened basically with no kind of, I would say uh, economic interest or any interest, just to save people that were supposed to be killed in Benghazi and the chaos that, we're, that, that is left in this country until today, the civil war continues, you have to ask yourself whether, you know, these tough questions. And that's basically what they refer to as the tough question that you have to ask yourself in those rooms. One more little thing. I wouldn't, I never would love to be in those kind of shoes. Never, ever. I think it's a horrible place to be and to take these kind of decisions.
0: Well, and, and it also that that kind of um deliberation that people have to to make you know to as you said to to send people into harm's way and and that the moral calculus colliding with the the operational or strategic one um this is this sort of gets at at a big uh part of the you know sort of at some of the source material for for your film which is Samantha Powers uh, sort of epic book uh, um, a problem from hell and and the ti- her title works on <laughs> a couple of levels because the problem from hell is obviously the 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 problem of of human beings killing other human beings in a in you know targeting them on the basis of race or ethnicity um, but also the the problem never goes away in in this calculus that that people in power in these corridors of power the title of your film they they have to take into account. Multi, a multitude of views, in order to make that decision. And, and you're right; it's not an enviable position to to be the one who sort of coldly says, "Well, this, we would need this many tanks, or this many planes, or this many troops, and this many people would die, probably." And that's you know a, a family that gets affected on on you know that they have to explain that to. And it, it's it's tough. One of the things that I was really struck me um, in in some of the interviews too was. You know, uh, you, you uh, Ben Rhodes is, is among the people uh, who who you interview as a former, you know, deputy national security advisor for President Obama, and um, one of his, you know, key speechwriters. And you know, in when Washington and in political circles, Ben has a, a reputation for being a very starchy, <laughs> difficult uh, individual to deal with. Sometimes, of, of fierce. Uh, sort of protector of of uh, his his boss at the time the president uh, and he just is he really is haunted you know by a lot of these t- deliberations that really comes through and also this um i i don't i don't know if i would have described ben as emotional necessarily in my interviews with him including for this podcast but there's this moment that he's recounting to you uh where it's it's a meeting in the situation room and there there the, the obama is is kind of canvassing everybody and it's it Biden says no we can't go in and the joint chiefs and you know they say no and then Rhodes says how are you going to explain this if you don't and and it's just this stark moment of like here's this guy you know who is like standing up to the president and and the the generals and the secretary of state and the vice president and and it just it really underscores that sometimes it is the moral voice that asks that question and can sort of lead the the decision-making.
1: Yeah. Look, the interview with Ben Rhodes was amazing for me. I mean, he was, it it took time to convince him to come. And I I normally do interviews of hours. I never kind of satisfied with half an hour or an hour. It's normally interviews of three hours and more. And I felt, first of all, he wanted to speak candidly. He came and spoke very candidly, very open. Also, I think about the scars that he carries with him from, from, that, uh, from that period of time. He was eight years there. And and there was some really amazing sentences that he gave. And, and you know, the, what you described, it's, it's about Libya. It's about the intervention in Libya where Obama was reluctant to intervene. He didn't want basically to intervene. All the senior staff around him, all the senior staff around him, the the Secretary of State, Secretary of Defense, National Security Advisor, all of them said don't intervene. You know, we are engulfed in Afghanistan and in Iraq, and to open now another front. Although for the first time in history, Russia and China said they will not veto the, the the what's going on afterwards. They thought that they have a good shot on acquiring that. And the Arab world also was supporting the intervention. And Ben Rhodes, at that critical moment, said, in a way, what you said, how can we explain that? How can we explain that the whole world was willing to step up and protect civilians from, as it was perceived, crazy dictator, Muammar Gaddafi, where he threatened that he's going door to door to cleanse Benghazi and kill all the people there. And we, the United States, the shining city on the hill, you know, all the cliches, we will say, no, we will not intervene. So it is kind of, I would say a very difficult moment, probably, but when you understand the outcome of that and the intervention and what, what shocked me in that episode is that America intervened and kind of said to Europe, you will take the day after because we are very busy. You will you have to take care of the day after, basically France and England. And again, 10 years after Iraq, the West took up dictatorship, dictator from its... and thought that everything will fall in place <laughs> by miracle. And, and they were amazed that all of a sudden this insurgency started also in Libya. And I think, you know... On a side talk that I had with Ben and also with Anthony Blinken, the now Secretary of State, they said that two reasons why Obama didn't intervene in Iraq, we, sorry, in Syria, after the red, the red line, the chemical weapon attack. The first one was the war in Iraq, and w- which he saw what was going on there and he, no outcome, people coming in coffins. And the second one was Libya. That you know, it laid heavily on him. He said, if i will going to intervene now in another country, what will be the outcome of that? And I think, for me, this is one of the most chilling moments in the whole movie, where Obama is telling Ben Rhodes or explaining to Ben Rhodes why he decided to go to the Congress to ask for, for a permission to, to attack in Syria, basically deciding that he will not attack in Syria after the chemical weapon attack.
0: And, you know, to... To just sort of put a you know sort of an exclamation point on on why why things like this you know c- can have patterns why they tend to repeat um, you know again the you know Anthony Blinken <laughs> it's the Secretary of State now Jake Sullivan is the National Security Advisor for President Biden Dennis McDonough. Uh, who is the national security advisor for President Obama is the Veterans Affairs uh, secretary and so the the same people have I mean granted they' we we sort of maybe took expertise for granted uh, for for a long time and then we saw uh, a, what a presidency looked like uh, recently in the United States when it wasn't governed by expertise and 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 tech, some technocrats here and there but it is. I mean, the same people have the same issue. They bring the same issues. They bring the same set of you know sort of decision-making parameters to this. And and you know, I I, I recently had a discussion with Matthew Heineman about his film Retrograde about the American withdrawal from uh, from Afghanistan. And it's and again the the decision making is is. It's not, it's the same sort of calculus. Like what is the American interest here? Uh, what is the decision? How do you follow through on the decision? What are the consequences of that decision? And it just feels like this just keeps happening.
1: Yeah. Look. Um, Actually, Paul know,
0: Wolfowitz says that at the beginning of your film, it happens over, yeah, and, and, over and over and over
1: again. Yeah, and, and I, I have to tell you, if I'm continuing my line of thought that I, I will never replace them. I am thinking a lot about Anthony Blinken and Jake Sullivan now. I'm thinking about those people, you know, uh, that have to go every day while what's going on in in Ukraine and take, sitting in this situation room, weighing what should we do with Putin, nuclear weapon, not nuclear. You know, it's, it's the burden. I think the age, when you see Obama, you know, I had in the movie In order to create for the for the viewers the feeling of a fly on the wall, I used a lot of photographs. You know that the president has been photographed all over wherever he goes. That's why I could bring those debates into life to put the audience inside the rooms, and the change in Obama's visibility from when he started a young man as a president and then, you know, very hopeful and very cheerful. And when he ended, when you see the amount of white hair on his head, how much this weight or this way is on on the shoulder of, of I, it's really unbearable to think about it. And they are all good people, you know. I you know I criticize in the movie uh, decisions, or basically they criticize the decision themselves, if you can see that, you know that. All the people people that are speaking in the chapters are only people from the administration. There is no, there was a lot of criticism from other administration about the the Bush to Clinton, the Clinton to Bush, the Bush to Obama, but only the people in the room with the president at the time are speaking at each one of the incidents. And you know, Jake Sullivan said to me that the period of Syria laid heavily on their soul, on their conscience, so it the scars are there all the time, and the decisions are horrible. But I have to remember, we have to remember all of us that they are good people. Each one of them, they are good people. The perpetrators are the ones that are doing the, the the horrible things on the ground. I I also
0: I mean there there is a there's a few moments of of like real hope in in this movie too. I mean like I, I was very sort of you know. Uh, Taken aback and, and and reminded of of how much power an individual can have in in some of these settings with the um, the, the footage that you have of uh, when Ellie Wassell at the dedication of the Holocaust Muse- uh, Memorial Museum here in, in D.C. confronted the Clintons who were standing five feet behind him uh, about Bosnia uh, at, at the time. Um, truly, you know, a, a, for for any. Um, Communication uh, communications strategist a, a nightmare right you know for for that i mean the, the, it was not in the run of show notes if you will uh for for the for the speaking but i mean it it certainly had um a i mean the, the there was a lot that went into the decision to become more interventionist in in bosnia obviously um but but that moment seemed to galvanize, you know, at least some public opinion, and certainly it's a moment I don't think the Clintons will ever forget. <laughs> uh, in 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 the way that they, you know, weigh decisions, and there are there are these moments. I mean, you have Samantha Power, you know, uh, you know, speaking in in the the UN, knowing that she's not going to get the kind of backup that she probably needs to, 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 you know, convince the Russians or convince the, you know, any the Chinese to, to not veto things, but she still says it anyway, you know, and says, have you no shame, you know, at, at the UN about what's going on in Syria. And so there are these moments, you know, these little green shoots um, it's, this, it's a, there's a lot of horror, you know, in, in this, in this topic and, and in portrayed a bit, but there are those moments where things you, you realize that it's not all that it, it's not all going to be covered up. It's not always going to be unaddressed.
1: Yeah, uh, look, I agree with you completely. And I think part of what I want people to take from the movie is the the task that we have as citizens of this world, as as people, as human beings that live in this world, that occupy this world. And, you know, if you take Samantha Power, you know, her journey for me is amazing. I mean, she started, she started as a young student in, in Berlin, seeing refugees from, from Bosnia coming, not knowing what to do. Then she came back to America. She studied the subject as an as aide of senator. Then she understand what goes on, the ethnic cleansing in Bosnia. She goes back as a reporter. She start to write as a journalist from there. She, she comes back to the Holocaust, to the, the dedication of the Holocaust Museum after the Srebrenica massacre or before the Srebrenica massacre. And she understands that there is something wrong in the system. She writes a book, which becomes a Pulitzer Prize winning book. She gets the attention of Obama. She goes, Obama calls her, they meet, they speak. She becomes his aide, she becomes his personal friend. And then at the end, she ends up as the ambassador to the U.S. I mean, her journey is, is amazing. She's now the head of USAID, but for me, what it shows it shows that each and every one of us count. So whenever we see something wrong happening somewhere in the world, we shouldn't say, "Why do? Why? What Chamberlain said, as Madeleine Albright said, why should we care about those faraway countries with unpro- with people with unpronounceable names?" It falls to us to fight and to 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 ask for for people to answer and and our representative to answer. You know, as we speak now, you and me, there are around 3 million people in Ukraine who are sitting in the dark with no heating because one person, one person decided that he is not happy of them joining the European Union or joining NATO, which doesn't threaten him, but he decided that, arbitrarily, and I mean, I don't know how many tens of thousands of people have been killed up until now, and how many suffer, how many refugees, millions of refugees have gone away. And it's where is it now? It's on page eight, page nine, maybe in, in the in the news. So each and every one of us has responsibility. Has responsibility for the closed area that we live in, and a responsibility also <laughs> I'm doing what I can with doing movies, you know, to to open eyes, to show people how the world looks like. I hope there will be retrograde. is a good example of also look. I mean, we are now one year after the disengagement or the retreat from Afghanistan. I I I want. I wonder what women in Afghanistan feel now. As we speak.
0: I I, I'm glad you know, like so much you know of of. Samantha Power has this power in, in her comments, in, in, in the interviews and and so forth. And, and that's, you know, rightfully so. I mean, she, she quite literally wrote the book right on, on, on the topic uh, when, when it really didn't exist uh, before. And there's something about what you said about like, everyone has a responsibility um, to, to address, you know, their, their, the things that they can address. um, And I'm, I'm recalling the moment in the, in the film where, you know, she was, you know, she was recounting why she didn't quit, uh, why, why she didn't resign, you know, in a huff, you know, over uh, not getting the kind of backup uh, that she, that she would have uh, wanted on, on Syria from, from Obama. And, and she just has this moment and it just reminded me of like, you know, uh, just this almost Sisyphean type <laughs> um, dedication, uh, you know, to, to addressing issues of, of, of addressing a moral question, which is, you know, she's like, I mean was I going to quit and then go back to teaching and and writing and hoping somebody would read an op-ed or am I going to actually stay in this situation where I can uh make sure that refugees get to this safe area and I can make sure that the president is aware that we need to increase the cap for, you know, admitting refugees and I mean like she she had this like I mean it's it's perhaps not the way she would have wanted it to go and sometimes it's not very sexy work but it is this like no, I actually have an effect here uh, and I can keep doing it even though it's frustrating.
1: Yeah. Look, you are so right. It's, it's, I, and uh, I confronted her. It was the last interview that I conducted and I confronted, I did a lot of, it, a lot, many interviews. She was very generous with me with her time and, and I did a lot of interviews with her. And, and, um, in that interview, I confronted her. I asked her, how, how could you live with yourself? I mean, you are the author of, problem from hell. How can you sit in an administration where this horrible atrocities are happening and and when you sit there, it's like you are saying, you know, by your presence, you are saying there is nothing to do. And I agree with 100% with what she said, 100%. And I think if more good people will go into the corridors of power, from the universities, more conscience conscience people will go into the corridors of power. It will make the world a better place. And Samantha Power definitely, or the Samantha Powers, make the, if they are in the corridors of power, they make our world much better, a much better world to live in. They make it much safer for our children. They make it less less, atro- less atrocities happen when they are on the watch. And the, the presidents, look at the end of the day. Nobody, you know, you feel that there is a lot of people in the room and a lot of voices, but at the end of the day, one person gets the decision. One person, that's the president. Now, there is an amazing moment in the movie, in the seminal movie of my friend, Errol Morris, The Fog of War, where he says there, where Robert McNamara asks the question, is it right that in the hand of one person would be the power to annihilate the world? And that kind of question is chilling because it is what it is. And at the end of the day, you are sitting there, the secretary of state, the secretary of defense, the national security advisor, all of them are in an advisory position. The one person that takes the decision is the president. And in each country, you have this one person who takes the decision. Sometimes he does that without having to discuss uh public uh whatever the public thinks like in russia or in china and sometimes it's the elections and and it interests and things like that like in america and we need much better and good people around the president so good people good students of diplomacy of international go to work for governments i mean that's the only way we can influence and by by pushing our representative to act more to be more uh, uh, engaged in trying to make a better world.
0: Well, drawer I think that that's a really good spot to, to end on. Your film is out in theaters right now uh, and I'm guessing it'll be streaming fairly soon. Sometimes it's not an easy film to watch, but it is an important one and uh, I wish you all the luck with it.
1: Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to be
0: with you.